Hey, welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at oagks.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out at, at Coach Bo Knows Show is our handle. Check out the Facebook page. Search for Coach Bono Show. You can email us also as well at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 44. Wow, 44 weeks into this thing now. Hey, I want to first off apologize. We've had a weird week. Normally the .5 pod comes out on Friday. The regular pod comes out on Monday. Uh, our producer, Tyler Jones, and myself both had incredibly busy last few days and so i was late getting him some items to get out for friday's pod it is out now it's this is tuesday evening as i'm recording the normal monday pod um but it is out episode 43.5 with the aew preview and all of that so we've got that going uh i do want to send a shout out to p money uh if you don't know they call him P-Money, Peyton O'Connor. That's my son. Uh, he's a 20-year-old guy. He's my buddy, my main man, my only kid. And um, he is a huge wrestling fan, a huge NBA guy. I really thought he did a great job on the NBA stuff. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I think he was spot on with a lot of the NBA draft. I mean, he he had it pegged him the best player, was not going to go number one, and then he ends up going number one. Uh, we're going to have P-Money do a little more basketball stuff as we go through it, probably during the season. I'm not going to get him involved in the, the business basketball stuff. I think that's a little bit out of his area of expertise. But when it comes to what's happened on the court, he's as good as anybody I know at the basketball stuff. Um, he, he really knows the stuff. I really respect him with that. So wanted to bring him in. I will tell a quick story. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Tuesday. Now, we were traveling Monday. Uh, P-Money and I did go to the AEW Forbidden Door pay-per-view. We did not get to go to the media scrum, but we did get to see it on YouTube afterwards. Uh, we ended up recording a little bit of a pod. You'll have about 30 minutes of our conversation, kind of our review of what happened. We know a little more since then. Um, on some of the things that happened that night, there's been a couple of things that we didn't know or quite know about just yet that has come out since Sunday um, involving that show. But we were there. We really both enjoyed it a lot. So you get it here. We're going to have a little taste here in a little bit. I'm going to do a couple things here. P Money is going to come in, and uh, we're going to do that part from Sunday night, and then I'm going to come back at the end and finish things off. So about 30 minutes in the middle there of AEW talk. Uh, just about Forbidden Door. I thought that was a really good pay-per-view. We had a great time. Traveling back Monday, we didn't get back home till late. Both of us were tired. I wasn't going to make this happen as far as getting a pod going on a late Monday night. So I'm doing this Tuesday evening. Hopefully this will be out later in the week. I appreciate listeners' feedback and I also appreciate the patience in this because, like I said, I'm trying to get stuff to our producer and then he's also traveling, doing some things with his real job. And Tyler's got content here on Studio Soapbox and everything he's doing with the racing show and everything else. Uh, check out all the content on Studio Soapbox. That includes not just our show, but the Bevo Boys show. Um, you've got um, David Starr's NASCAR show, which uh, 
We've got Tyler's doing a lot of work with David David Starr. It's really a great NASCAR show. Of course, the Jones Report with Tyler Jones. I'm on there weekly. I hope you enjoy my segments. So check those out as well. Um, going to get into it here just a little bit. want to talk about just some kind of um, mop-up things that are kind of going on. I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds on some stuff. And then we're going to be doing a .5 pod that will be out Friday. Ellen will be back in. And her and I will talk about some of the serious things that happened last week in the politics world, as well as a little bit of sports. But we're going to really get into the politics stuff on Friday's show. Um, she's pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed. And we're going to get into it. So um, if you've heard us talk before, you'll know where we're at on that. Wanted to hit a couple of things just real quick here first off. And this is, uh, I'm going to talk something about here up front before we get into the AEW stuff. I want to talk a little bit about NBA free agency. I am a sports nerd. I'm a sports business nerd. And I don't fully understand the NBA's salary cap and some of the things. They have a soft cap and a hard cap and a luxury tax. And there's bird rights and a few other things they have when it comes to free agencies, you know, signing trades and how they deal draft picks. Um, I've been trying to learn quite a bit about it. Zach Harper has a great article in The Athletic. If you're a nerd like me, he has a great article that helps explain a lot of this and put some context into it. He's not the article's not one of these, you know, clickbait things of, you know, Kyrie's gonna go to the Lakers and Kevin Durant doesn't want to be with the Nets anymore. It's none of that. It's really just kind of a great explanation to how the soft cap works, the hard cap when that kicks in for certain players, the luxury tax, you have uh, what exemptions are out there, those kind of things. So if you're interested in learning what can or cannot be possible and getting some ideas for learning some of that stuff, I highly recommend that on The Athletic, Check out Zach Harper's um, article there. He talks in there a little bit. He does give a couple of real-world examples, but what it made me think of was some of the NBA news this past week. On Monday, Kyrie Irving did opt-in on his contract. He had an opt-in that was going to pay him, oh, I think it was 47 40, uh, let's see. I think it's $47 million. Uh, West Michael, uh, Russell Westbrook did opt into his $47 million contract. Kyrie Irving's opted into his contract. Um, third, I'm sorry, Kyrie's is 36.5. I got the numbers mixed up there. Um, what that really allows the teams to do is it now gives the teams the flexibility to trade those players to any team. Um the article from Zach Harper really explains this well. By the players opting in with their player option, it gives a soft cap number to both players, and now they can be dealt to other teams, where if they had opted out, they would be free agents, but teams are limited by the hard cap on what they can and cannot spend the NBA incentivizes players to sign with their te- their own team 
by making that outside the salary cap if they've been there for three seasons. Um, and that's not going to happen with either Kyrie or uh, Russell Westbrook. There was a uh, I saw the tweet from uh, Woj on ESPN this past week, I think it was Monday, saying that um, both had opted in and the Lakers have made an offer to the Nets of some sort of package for Russell Westbrook and something, we don't know exactly what, for Kyrie Irving, trying to get Kyrie and LeBron back together. Um, I have some thoughts here. The, I would get to it in a minute. Um, the other news that was broke by Woj and we saw on Twitter on Monday was Kevin Durant saying that if the Nets trade Kyrie Irving, he too is going to ask for a trade. And that supposedly the Nets are willing to let both of them go. They see it as a um, a failed project, bringing both players in. And I, I say kudos to the Nets. And, and here's why. I'm all for players. I'm all for players getting their money. They have a short window. I get that. I'm all for players getting that money and having control. I do think that certain players in the NBA have too much say. Um, I'm a LeBron stan. I'm a guy who believes in LeBron. I think he's the second best player I've ever seen behind Jordan. But I think LeBron's been a terrible general manager. I think Kevin Durant's been even worse. And we've seen with what's happened with Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and a couple, of really those two have been the two focal points of this. Um, they've been the general managers saying, hey, get me these pieces. Uh, you can argue Steph Curry's done a little bit of that, but Steph really has let the Warriors do what they had to do to keep the pieces together and to go get a couple of younger players, like the Andrew Wiggins piece. Um, with the Kevin Durant thing, the Nets thought Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, was going to be the one to, they thought they were getting Jordan and Pippen. And they really thought that Kevin Durant was one of those top 10 all-time players and that he's so good that let's get him with the guy he wants, which was Kyrie Irving, and then let's get him, let's go get him James Harden, who they would trade it already, and they're going to build a big three and we're going to win, win, win. Problem is, the last 30 games you've had Kevin Durant had Achilles injury. As can, and don't realize Kevin Durant is now in his 16th year in the league. We've had Kyrie Irving sit out because of COVID and some of the things that we've had to deal with there. And the Nets have just said as an organization, hey, we don't want Kyrie Irving on this team. And if that means, and Kevin Durant is saying, well, I do want Kyrie Irving here, and I'm Kevin Durant. And it looks like the Nets are pushing back and saying, we don't care that you're Kevin Durant because you're not LeBron. You're not anyone who can build a team to win right now. I think the other piece that hurts Kevin Durant in this deal is the Warriors winning without him now. Now, I know it's been a couple of years, but if you look, 
I do think, and I heard a couple people even, you know, Bomani Jones is someone I really like a lot and respect, and I know he thinks that saying that the Warriors winning isn't a knock on Durant. I don't dis I disagree with that. I think this is absolutely a show that Kevin Durant wasn't as valuable. It was never his team. It was Steph's team. And Kevin Durant is uber talented. He's someone that we've never seen. Seven foot, can as athletic as he is, but he's never been the guy. Yeah, he's been the best player a couple of times. He's been the, he's been the MVP, but he's never been the guy that you could build a franchise around to win a championship. He was the additional piece for the Warriors, for the rings he has. When he was in Oklahoma City with Russell Westbrook, with James Harden, those teams should have been championship teams. And we just saw Kendrick Perkins just said on his podcast here recently, here this past week, that when he was on those teams, the Thunder, he had to get Westbrook and Durant into a chat group with him to get them to communicate at all, that Kevin Durant doesn't spend any time with the rest of his teammates. He doesn't care about his team. He just wants to be his guy. When he goes on the road, he flies with the team, as he has to, and then his boys show up somewhere else. They show up and then they hang out. And that's why Kevin Durant, to me, is the most overrated player of all time. He's not a team guy. He cares about scoring points and making money. And he's trying so hard to be LeBron James. He doesn't realize that the thing that LeBron James has done is everybody that's played with that guy loves that guy. He, LeBron, genuinely cares for his teammates. When LeBron left Miami, he mentioned Mario Chambers in his, in his statement when he left. You know, just an example. He didn't talk about D-Wade. He didn't talk about Bosch. And we know those three are all linked together and they're all close and tight. But he mentioned Chalmers. He's mentioned some of the things about maybe he'll go in the future and play for Cleveland one more time if he can have his son play with him. LeBron cares about his teammates. Kevin Durant doesn't. And this goes to show the thing of if Kevin Durant cared about his team, and I'm not saying you have to do everything for your team. I'm not saying you have to give your, your heart and soul. But if Kevin Durant's now going to stand up and say, well, if Kyrie leaves, I want to leave. That's, that's bullshit. It's bullshit because this organization did everything you wanted. And now over these last three seasons, he's averaged 35 games a year. Kyrie Irving's averaged 30 games a season. Now, we know the COVID stuff, and Kyrie was Kyrie, and he wasn't going to play because he was going to, you know, he wasn't going to get vaxxed and all this and that. I think that those two players in particular, one, I wouldn't want either player on my team. Now, LeBron thinks he can, he can straighten out Kyrie because they're time together in Cleveland. But I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think the teams are going to be as open to taking to taking Kyrie Irving in a sign-and-trade. And I think the Nets are going to find, and I think Kevin Durant's going to find, 
that there's not going to be as big a market for Kevin Durant as he thinks there is. There'll be a couple of teams, but he ain't going to the Lakers. LeBron doesn't want anything to do with that. Where are you going to send him? You're going to send him to Phoenix? Dallas? Denver? You know, do any of those stars on those teams want to deal with Kevin Durant? He hasn't been a good teammate anywhere. What makes you think he'd be any different if he came to your team now? So I, I have some strong feelings about this, and I do think that Kyrie is going to get traded. I do think that Russell Westbrook is going to get traded. I don't think Kevin Durant's going to get traded. I think that that's a, um, I think that's just him howling, saying, I want my way, being a stuck-up sucker, and just saying, hey, I wanna be, I'm going to be a baby about this. And I, I have no, I just don't respect Kevin Durant in that way. I, I hate to say it, I think super talented. He's a bad teammate, and the franchise put everything they could behind him. Gave him everything he wanted, and he's going to pay him back that way. They've paid him all they could pay him. They paid him everything they could. And I don't mean could by how much they have. I mean by the league rules how much they could. They've given him every player he wanted, and he's repaid them by being hurt, by being selfish, and by then holding up the organization because he doesn't want his buddy to leave town. So not real happy. I just wanted to get that out there. Also in that Zach Harper article, they do line up some of the, I don't want to say likely moves, but players that could be moving. One of the points that, uh, Zach Harper makes in the, the athletic in the uh, article is that this is not going to be the huge free agency season. There's just not that many big names out there. The most likely big names we're going to see are Bradley Bill with the Wizards, Zach Levine with the Bulls, maybe Jalen Brunson from the Mavs. Jalen Brunson, I think, is likely to be one of those sign-and-trade kind of things as well. Um, I think also the same thing with Bradley Beal. Then he talks about restricted free agents and how that restricted free agency works. Brought up a couple of examples there. DeAndre Ayton is a big one. He is likely to move. Uh, someone may pick him off the Suns. How the restricted free agency works is the player is a free agent, but the team, after making a qualifying offer, which the Suns have in DeAndre Ayton's uh, uh, situation, uh, DeAndre Ayton is then subject to... If a team signs him, the Suns can match the offer and keep the player. So we'll see. That may not be a good fit for DeAndre Aiden. I don't know why that hasn't worked. I watched him a couple seasons ago, and I just, I'm impressed with him. I'm impressed with a bunch of the players on that team, and I think they need to stay together. I think that team needs to better use him and use that big man. The other free to take a look at was Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks. This could be the player that they could sign and move in a sign-and-trade deal as well. Um, that would be something to give the Knicks. There's always talk about the Knicks wanting to make an impact. They're the New York team. They've never quite been able to get it done. That's why the Nets were the team that eventually landed Durant and, uh, and Kyrie and Harden before the trade of Harden this past season. So it would be interesting to see what happens there. Um, yeah, so a lot of that stuff, I'm going to come back here a little bit, we're going to get the P-Money stuff going here in a minute, 
Um, and we'll uh, talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to hit that free agency. If you're an NBA person at all, I highly, highly recommend that article on The Athletic. And uh, check that out. It's a really great way of learning and understanding what's going to ha- what's going on, how these moves actually work. Uh, free agency starts on the 30th, which will be Thursday. So we could start seeing some of these moves happening as early as this weekend. So we'll take a look. I hope you guys, uh, hope that we, everybody gets what they want on their team. And I hope Kevin Durant ends up staying with the Nets and being miserable. And whatever happens, happens. Um, hey, we'll be back in a couple seconds. I'm going to bring P-Money in. We're going to talk a little AEW and Forbidden Door, kind of our experience. We're going to do the review. And then I'm going to jump back in after that, hit a couple of Coach Bo rants, and then we'll get out of here. So uh, hang loose, and I appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a few. All right, so we're back here. This is going to be our follow-up from... If you listened to the point five last week, P Money came in and we kind of uh, did a little wrap, not a wrap up, but a, a preview of Forbidden Door, uh, the AEW pay-per-view. And we have just gotten back to our hotel. We're here Sunday night. It is about 1 a.m. We got back. We listened to, uh, we saw Tony Khan's uh, post-media scrum yep. and some of his blathering. And uh, overall, I, like I said earlier in the little beginning, I thought it was a pretty good pay-per-view. I thought overall I'd give it an A. I thought it was a, a good pay-per-view all around. P-Money, what, did your first, what was your first impressions of AEW's Forbidden Door? I, you know, at first I was kind of like, okay, you know, injury drew the event from the start, and we knew that. So we didn't really have an expectation going into it because we knew this wasn't what the card could have been going into it. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump in here. So um, we got there. We saw it. This is a long show. Oh, my God. The show was damn near five hours. We got there at what? It was. So the show started at 6 p.m. local time in Chicago. We got done a little before 11 o'clock. Yeah. Holy God. The pay-per-view piece was from 7 to a little before 11. What a we're not going to go through all the pre-card stuff. We're just going to get into the main show. The main show that started at 7 p.m. Central. Wait, what was a main show? And first match was the trios match. We had the Eddie Kingston, uh, Shoto uh, Yumana, and Wheeler Yuta versus Jericho Guevara and Minoru Suzuki. Which, why the hell is he wrestling still? So I thought it was a decent match. I'm no fan of Jericho's. I know you're not. And I, I like Guevara, but he's easy to hate now. Here's what I'll say. And I'm going to talk about this, and we'll bring you in on this. Cool. Um, I like the Jericho-Eddie Kingston dynamic. I do, too. I, I love it. And I think that Sammy Guevara has that slappable face. Yes. My only problem with Sammy Guevara is he has to do these spots at times. He didn't do it so bad tonight. No. But he does, he does these spots sometimes that he doesn't have to do in matches. He's going to hurt himself one day doing that. I mean, it's not him versus Darby Allen, so that helps. Yeah. But I thought that... Um, I thought it was kind of a weird deal having Minoru Suzuki in the match. But I thought in the end it actually worked. But what they did, and the reason I thought it worked, was that he was able to tr- kind of trade barbs with Eddie Kingston. Yes. 
But to me, it also took away from the match because you lose a lot of the Eddie Kingston-Jericho dynamic. And that's the thing. They want to build in the blood and guts on Wednesday on Dynamite. So the whole backstory with Suzuki and them was, so Jericho's own a favor, which caused a Lance Archer attack on Moxie and Tanahashi on Dynamite the week before, which brought Suzuki on the team with Jericho and Kavara goes, well, one, we don't, we don't need Hager. I don't want anyone else in the Jericho Appreciation Society until Blood and Guts. Mm-hmm. Well, in the end, now the, the, the match was won by Jericho's team. Yep. Um, so that means for the Blood and Guts match, yep. their takeoff of the War Games. It, 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 well, it is War Games, yes. Yeah, on Wednesday night, yep. Jericho's team will be the one that gets to have the first the, two on the one. The man advantage, advantage. yep. Yeah, so, and you knew that going in. You know, it's always yeah. going to be the heel. Who the heel advantage. team, yeah. You know, back in the day, they used to joke that Arn Anderson could was always the best coin flipper because he was the one who always won the coin flip. Right. Yeah. Um, after that, they had what I thought was a great match. This was the the big uh, winner takes all tag team match. The ROH champions, the FTR, the which best tag team in the world. The, they're the, they're the best tag team in the world. I don't think there's any question about that. Not even not for tonight, that's for sure. Uh, against the United Empire, which was Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb from New Japan. Who were the IWGP champions at the time. The IWGP Tag Team Champions. And Rapongi Vice, Ricky Romero, Trent Barretta. Who you do not like at all. Yeah. Now, let's get into this. Um, we, early in the match, Dax Harwood had an injury. Yes. And had to leave the ring, leaving Cash Wheeler uh, in the match. No, and noticeably frustrated. That's yeah. all heck. And they had to get this match done with five guys. Yeah. <clears throat> no one really saw it. Dax comes back. He's all taped oh, up. Oh, the pop he gets. Now, what, what, let's hang on here. Hey, okay. you get jumping a little fast here. Um, the FTR, now in the match, when, when Dax comes back, his shoulder's all taped up. He has something on it. Mm-hmm. And then in the post-show, uh, the, the media scrum... The FTR was on there with Tony Khan, yes. and Dax had something a little short. So there's a legit injury there. Yeah, he, he seems like he's gonna be okay and continue to yeah. wrestle. And I don't know if it was a shoulder. My, I, it was definitely the shoulder. I thought, he, I thought it was an elbow. Well, at I first. thought at first too the same thing because yeah, he happened on an elbow drop. Yeah, which is a weird little spot. I yeah. Um, I, I will say that you know we saw this. The match goes back and forth in the end. Um, the FTR wins by the big rig. They're now the ROH, IWGP, and the AAA Tag Team Champions. Young Bucks, they're coming for that ass. <laughs> and they won't calm down. And uh, they did say, well, the interesting in the media scrum after was there is already talk of there's going to be something down the line with the FTR and the Young Bucks. Yes. And there also will be something... Uh, there was an announcement of a Ring of Honor pay-per-view coming yes. in July, and uh, the FTR will be defending the ROH titles and that. So, yes, indeed. Um, we're going to see a lot more of the FTR. Which is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, now, one thing we didn't get to see in the arena after that match was uh, Tony Schiavone in the backstage area with Juice Robinson. Yeah, we missed that. And Jay White. They didn't play that in the arena. I don't know why. But during the next, uh, during a couple of matches later, we'll see Juice Robinson was actually out in one of the luxury suites. Yes. And that was interesting. But uh, 
Next match on the card, we had the finale of the All-Atlantic Championship match. This was Pac, Miro, Malachi Black, and then subbing for um, Ishii. Ishii, who had an injury issue yes. in Japan, was yep. Clark Connors. Yep. Now, first off, I like that Clark Connors. Kid. I do, too. I, I do thought, too. first off, I thought he looked, I looked like he was a bigger version of Jungle Boy. Yes. He has similar hairstyle, similar uh, trunks, yeah. but a bigger guy. Yes. And I thought that was good. If, if, if Jungle Boy was Heyman Page's height. That's a good that's a, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, I I don't get Malachi Black. I don't anymore. I, at first I loved it. Now I'm kind of like, okay, this is kind of getting done, drawn so out too much. We... What's next? We saw in the match, so in the match, the way it is, you have one of these four-way matches. A lot of times, it's a spot fest, oh, and this, and this was, was a spot fest. Uh, I didn't think this was a very good match, to be perfectly I fine. didn't really I didn't yeah. like it. And I'll tell you what I didn't like, was near the end, Malachi Black is on the floor, and he mm-hmm. goes under the ring. Yeah. Like half his body under the ring, and yeah. it was clear what he was doing. He yeah. was getting the mist. Yeah. And then he comes into the ring. Sprays the mist in Miro's face. Sprays the mist in Miro's face. They hit a spot where they put Miro through a table on the outside. That I, was I thought it was very unsafe to the crowd the way they absolutely. did it. Absolutely. Um, if you check it out, it'll be on YouTube. It's It was a clusterfuck. It was. And so poor Miro's going to sell this clusterfuck outside the ring for about ten minutes. That's what I was seeing. It took a little and while. Then, so he gets back in the rain. They have a big spot with all four people. Um, Malachi Black ends up spitting the mist into Miro's face yeah. when it looked like Miro was about to get the win. That was mad. And then uh, Pac ends up hitting the move at the top row. What does he call the that? The Black Arrow. The Black Arrow. Which is and still the most which. impressive move I have seen in a long and, time. And uh, the crowd went wild for Pac. Yep. The match ended and the crowd really... Uh, give, they gave him the big "you deserve it" chant. The crowd was hot. I mean, here's the thing: is that before this, he had done a whole lot. You know, he had that big match with Omega and Orange Cassidy Revolution last year. Mm-hmm. He was out with injury because of the miss, the miss to the eye. This, this belt was made for Pac. Yeah. Well, uh, Pac is the, the the first ever All Atlantic Champion for yes. AEW, yep. and now we're going to see how this is going to go. Um, It'll be interesting. It was, a, it was an okay, it was an okay match. I, yeah. I, this was one of those. It was a spot fest. This is one of those Dave Meltzer things. He's going to call this a four star oh. feel. I I don't think it was an spot, average. Spot it fest. was an a. It was not a well. A well told story. I thought. Man, you, you spot fest. Yeah. Look, look at the next match. The next match was one of the worst matches I've ever seen in person. Oh, it was awful. I hated it. All right, so uh, this was. The AEW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, oh, along with El Fantismo from the Bullet Club, facing what they call the Dudes with Attitude, straight out of WCW 1992. Yep. One thing missing is Johnny Ace trying to ride a skateboard. <laughs> uh, Darby Allen, Sting, Shingo Takagi. Now, we'll start this match out. We've got Darby Allen comes to the ring, Takagi comes to the ring, the Bucks. No, 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 no. They played Sting music at first. Oh, yeah, they did. Sting does not come out. No. After the Bucks come out with their team... Boom! Pyro on the crap. The 
crowd goes it goes dark, and we get the spotlight up in the rafters, and we see Sting. Yes. Old school WCW style. Which was cool. Up in the rafters, which was clearly now we know someone dressed as Sting yes. up there. Because a moment later, the spotlight goes off. He's on top of the, the lights way. come on, and Sting is on top of the entrance way. And there's a dive. And does a dive. This is a 63 year old man. Jesus Christ. Doing a fucking dive on these kids. Hey, good for him. This was a horrible story. Yes. A horrible match. Nobody was any good in this match. No, and not even Darby Allen. And and God forbid the young bucks take a pin. Now we know that um, now they lost the match. Darby Allen, Sting, and Takagi win the match. Yes, the good guys win, but it was just a shitty, shitty match. This was one of the worst matches, big name matches, I've ever seen in person. And you've seen a bunch of matches. And and I was. I, I was so disappointed. It was not going to match at all. And you, you know what? Again, we're going to see more of these. Dave Meltzer's going to give him five stars. And fuck Dave Meltzer. And I'm going to tell you right now, this was, this made Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant look like a five-star match. Oh, no. This made Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior look like a five-star match. It was just And the Tokyo would be a six-star corner match. Shit match all around. It was not a good match at all. And I, I just no could not. Yeah, it was just awful. It was not a good match um, next match, we've got the AEW Women's World Championship. We've got Tony Storm challenging Thunder Rosa. This is a good match. It's a good match. Well, I'll tell you why I think it's a good match. This is the best women's match I've seen in AEW in a while. Well, I, I like these two. I like Serena Deeb, like a couple others. But this is as good a match as AEW can give you in the women's division. Without because, all the and giggles. Because all the other people aren't very good. No. Like, the group um, you have, you have these two, D, Martinez, and Bear Baker. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. And, and these two, they, they were really, really good. Uh, Thunder Rosa wins the match. I think she's going to be their champion for quite some time. Right, um, at the end, we saw Thunder Rosa shake uh, hands with Tony Storm, Storm kind of put her over a little I'm bit. Getting, I'm going to be honest. I'm getting tired of Thunder Rosa. Really? Oh, I think she's going to be the champion I'm getting for a tired very long of it. time. I am getting tired of I it. I think she'll be around for a very, very long time. I, and, you know, good for her. I just, yeah. it's not my cup of tea. All right. It's really not. Now, here's where we're going to disagree. Okay. The next match was the IWGP heavyweight title match. This is, oh, God. This was originally. No, no, no. Next is the U.S. title. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. This was Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. Man. Now. We're definitely disagreeing here. I liked it. You liked it. I thought this was a spot monkey fest. This told no story. Um, this was just them doing a whole lot of athletic shit, and Will Ospreay gave way too much to Orange Cassidy. Here's the thing: is that Will Ospreay, his some of his facial expressions were on point. His facials were some of the best in the business. He gave a little too much to Cassidy. I do agree. At the same time, you kind of have to. You can't. This isn't Brock Cena SummerSlam with squash. This should have been a squash. This should have absolutely been a squash. And you know, going into it, I thought whatever that was gonna be. I really did. I I I just. And you were saying I, I know that earlier today it should have been a squash. And and I know that I'm not. I don't get Orange Cassie like some people do. And 
it, we were watching the Tony Khan press conference after the fact, and Tony Khan was saying that you know Orange Cassidy has some of the most most of the most viewed content on AEW's YouTube page. Like six of the ten videos are the most viewed of him, and I get it, but that's where his audience is. Yeah, that's true. Um, the, yeah. the crowd liked this match. Crowd blew up for it, but. This was just a spot fest. And here's why it didn't make any sense. Osprey dominates 90% of the match. Yes. But out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Orange Cassidy, like four or five separate times in the match, well, he um, just all of a sudden, it's like someone hit the power up button well, in the Osprey fucking video put, game. He put his hands in his pocket. You can't do that. I, you, don't, you, if you, you don't put your hand in Orange Cassidy's pockets. It, it, the, it, there's no story to this match. That's his gimmick. That The whole match had no story. I thought Will Ospreay was very, very good. I think if the right people, he would be a, a, he would be exceptionally good. Oh, this is going to end up. Now I heard someone say you were out of the room when I heard this on the yeah. on the on the press conference. Okay, that this is going to be a match of the year candidate. <laughs> this was the fifth best match of the night. This might be uh, second worst match behind Bucks. No, I, I thought a couple of those were. This was just a spot fest. And these guys are athletic. Oh, athletic as fuck. They're athletic. They do oh, a lot of Osprey stuff. Oh, Osprey is probably the, probably the best athlete on the card. I don't know about that. I just know that he does a lot of spot. If I want to watch Cirque du Soleil, <laughs> these two guys would be great. They were. But I want to watch a professional wrestling match. Well, and that's not what these two guys are doing. Well, that's tough. And in the end, Will Ospreay wins the match. As he should. Um, they have a big... To do afterwards, um, the Aussie Open guys who were with Will Ospreay end up coming out. Coming, they, they were there. They end up helping. Rapongi Vice then comes. Rapongi Vice, Trenton, Wrecking America come in. What's this guy's name? And then uh, oh, Shibata comes out. Shibata from the New Japan. Flipping pop. Yeah, and it was a huge pop. I I don't know much about this guy. All I know is he came back from an injury he had many yeah. years ago. That's all I know. And he, he was the one who kind of pulled uh, Will Ospreay out of the ring. Uh, obviously, they're building for something over on the New Japan side for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't see that probably. No, and, no. and then we did see the whole Juice Robinson thing. Yes, yeah, so Juice Robinson came so, out. So the thing with that is, so those who don't know, Will Ospreay is the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Juice Robinson has the belt. Because technically, he never lost the belt. He was in America and he couldn't get to Japan because of COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he was he was when he was an Impact. Okay. Wrestling for them for many many months, he couldn't get to Japan to defend the belt. Okay. Kind of like kind of why Mox was stripped to the, the belt. Oh, okay. But they left it on Robinson. Okay. For now. Well, it, they're building the stuff and, for New Japan on that, and that's gonna be fun. Life. If I can't watch it, I will. Uh, you can just order that New Japan stuff on New Japan's website. On, on, on New Japan World. Uh, the next was the match where we had a surprise. We knew we were going to get this. Man. Uh, so Zack Sabre Jr., who I've never seen wrestle before. I've seen him I've, once, and I saw him get to Okada. Yeah, so I, I've I got heard of him, heard of him, but I haven't seen him wrestle. Um, he's going to, his is supposed to be Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian, Brian Danielson. Davis. And that would have been a and hell of a Brian match. Danielson's hurt. He ends up, he says on Dynamite this past week, I'm going to put you in a match with someone who's going to represent me. As a tactician. As a tactician. And, and then a, as a badass from the next thing on, on Wednesday. On Blood and Guts. 
And we were speculating last week. We, we hit this right. We speculated two names. Gargano. We thought either you speculated Johnny Gargano. I did not say I thought Johnny Gargano. Man, Gargano. I had a feeling. We said either Claudio Castagnoli yep. or Jonathan Gresham. Yep. It was Claudio Castagnoli. Who got the biggest pop of the night? Oh, my God. He like, wrestled yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. in what I thought was an excellent match. That was match the night. It may be. I think it's match the night. Uh, this was a professional wrestling match. Absolutely. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is a, a submission specialist. Well, and they call him a submission master for a reason. And, 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 He's phenomenal. Sorry. And he was putting Castagnoli. Every time that Claudio would get into... And Claudio Castagnoli, if you don't know, is the former Cesaro yep, in w- WWE. This is making his um, his All Elite uh, pr- premiere. And so he comes out to a big pop, ends up... And he's a strong guy. He's a good wrestler as he well. Is. He's a very good wrestler. Yes, he is. He was doing some of the moves, and Sabre would counter those moves into submission moves. Mm-hmm. And it looked like old-school wrestling. It did. It looked like... It looked like Harley, Harley Race wrestling Dory Funk Jr. Yeah. It was excellent and it was and they even had a little pace to them mm-hmm. I thought this was a great match I thought this was a better match than anything before it yes and I think that it might have been the best match of the night I thought it was in the end we have a a whole bunch of stuff back and forth back and forth and uh, Castanelli wins when he does the uh, power bomb isn't the, it? the power bomb and yeah yeah it was great he came um, in with a hot start Uppercut neutralizer. We thought it was over. It was, it was almost over in the first minute. Man, I thought it was over. Yeah. Um, Uppercut in the corner. I was like, oh my. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was almost one of those uh, real quick kind of things. Thankfully, it was not. This was match of the night. Now, as we're pulling up the actual listing of the matches off of AEW's website, they're putting in quotes from the announcers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take a second before we go to the last three matches. Go ahead. And talk about those, ma- those announcers. So the beginning announcers, we had... They Taz. Taz, Kevin Kelly and from Excalibur. Ring of Honor, which yep. is great. I love Kevin Kelly. And, and then we had Excalibur. God damn. I'm going to tell you now, folks, if you're ever thinking about going to an AEW pay-per-view, going so you don't have to hear Excalibur... Is the greatest thing ever. ...is great, because you don't have to listen to that guy talk. No, that's amazing. Uh, he adds nothing. No. So I was so glad. And then we saw... so. The match we just talked about, they brought Jim Ross out to call the last three or four matches. Last yeah, three. Last, no, not even. Last yeah. three? Yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. And so, they got a four-person booth. God, it's rough. I'm glad I didn't have to listen to that shit. Oh, God, I've been bad. Because you know how many times Excalibur probably yelled some Japanese move. <laughs> I'll bet during that Will Ospreay match. Oh, most that He must have yelled different things out of nowhere 37 times. <laughs> and no one can understand a goddamn thing he said. No, not at all. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, all right. Um, coming up now, we got the IWGP Championship match. <sighs> this started out great. So, we got the, the champion, Switchblade Jay White, Adam Cole, Heyman Adam Page, and the, and the Rainmaker, the guy. Okada. What a pop. And I'll say this is the one match, the only person that I stood up and clapped for the entire night was Okada. The pop. I never got to see Okada in person. I was happy to do it and see it. I'm lucky as heck I got to. Yeah, so this ends up, Jay White wins the match. Man. And this match ended abruptly. 
Yes. Something happened to Adam Cole. And he, it was pretty clear what was supposed to happen. It was, was supposed to be a Rainmaker switch uh, and yeah. uh, White think, goes it, and tweets him. Yeah. So we ended up three or four botched things all happened in a row. Yeah. Adam Cole ends up crumbling to the ground. And Switchblade just covers pins him. One, two, three. No, he throws a cut out of the ring. And it no, looked, no, 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 he hits him with a Switchblade. Yeah, well. Throws him out of the ring with In the end, it was clear that Adam Cole was supposed to be the one who was pinned. Yes. Adam Cole got hurt. Yes. And couldn't kick out of the of the move. No, he was supposed to. You can, it was supposed to continue. Well, you can see the replay. He was trying to kick out. Yeah, he couldn't do he it. He re-aggravated that shoulder he did. And, 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 and because Adam Cole... Is a wee little guy, and you know, I was telling somebody who was sitting behind us. We were yeah. talking about how you know, back in the day, in the nineties and two thousands, you'd see signs that said something. Somebody fears this. Oh, you know, yep. Bischoff fears this, or you know, yeah. uh, a popular in ECW was Taz, Taz or Triple H, H, H fears, fears Taz, or something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I would do is Adam Cole fears weightlifting. Man, that dude looks like. 105 pounds of sugar. He does. In a 106-pound bag. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand it. He's a wee little guy. Um, athletic, huge pop. Fans love him. They love that music. Yeah, well, they love the music. It's awesome. Are you kidding me? He never but he it. wasn't great. And he then I was it. disappointed in this match in a couple things. One, no makers. they didn't let Okada hit his finish. I was mad. Four attempts? Come on. And they didn't really... The end was so abrupt mm-hmm. that it took away from the match. It did, yeah. This could have been a lot better. And I, I blame this on Adam Cole when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think he's wrestling... Uh, he's not good in a big match. He's not good in a four-way. I just think he's good in a big match. And I'll give you an example. Go back to WWE. When they had the War Games matches... Man, go watch him. O'Reilly and Fish always carried it. Go watch him, Ring of Honor. Him and Ring of Honor will absolutely... I just just disagree. I just don't think I've ever seen him in. I don't think he's been great in. Man. Pat McAfee outshowed him in every match. They were those two two matches. Pat McAfee's phenomenal. We're not going to get into all that. We'll do that later this week. All right. So... Main event. Then we have the main event. The interim championship match... So CM Punk is hurt. They're going to make an interim champion. Tony Khan has already said that if CM Punk is healthy, the all-out pay-per-view Labor Day weekend will be the winner of this match versus CM Punk here in Chicago. At the United Center. At the United Center. They announced that today as well. Yep. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus John Moxley. Hiroshi Tanahashi's had more IWGP championships than any other wrestler. Eight. And he is what they call the ace, the guy. He He's is the good. guy. Um, personally, I like Okada better, but it's just whoever you like. Yeah. Um, Moxley wins the match. Now, Moxley got busted up the hard way. Did he really? Yeah, you could tell by the okay. way the, the gouge was. It wasn't straight. It was. Like, I couldn't tell. It yeah. was like a hook in his head. Okay, like, I couldn't tell. Um, Those gruesome. Moxley wins the match, and. Um, it, it, obviously, now we're going to have Moxley and Punk at All Out. So we think. 
So, I mean, unless there's a change, I don't think it'll be a Unless, change. yeah, I doubt. If Punk is healthy. Now, now Khan did say Moxley would defend the interim championship. I don't think he loses it. Yeah. Now, um, at the end of this match, is a good match. It is. And, and Moxley, in the end, you know, he'd been talking a lot of trash. Who does? And then in the end, he's going to show respect to Tanahashi and say it's a great match. And then out comes Chris Jericho... And Daniel Garcia, they wanted to take took the spot at the end of the pay per view to, to build to the Wednesday night TV show. I mean, what else can, and, you, what else can you? No, do? I tell you, that's a bad idea. I'll tell you, it's a bad idea. If you're going to do that, you should have done it earlier in the pay per view. Oh, I agree. You should have done it at the end of Jericho's match. What they did, it took the shine off of Moxley. Yeah. And Moxley didn't get his moment on the pay-per-view as the new champion. That's true. Now, well, because he, he's an interim champion. Why should we care about an interim did, champion? Well, because he's he's won this. That's true. But it, it took away from the end of the pay-per-view. Yeah, it did. And it did it because Chris Jericho has to be in a spotlight. Well, and sure. because they... All right, look. Anybody that bought that pay-per-view... Well, I feel it, bad for you. If you bought the pay-per-view, you're already watching Wednesday. That's true. So, you don't have to put an angle on. That's true. At the end of the pay-per-view, when the guy you're trying to get over is the good guy, mm-hmm. just won your World Heavyweight title. Yeah, that's true. So, why? What's the use of doing what they did? What they did was Jericho comes out, Daniel Garcia comes out, Eddie Kingston comes running out. Yep. Then we get the rest of the Jericho appreciators. Yep. And what is it about AEW guys and rompers? Fucking Jake Hager's wearing some kind of romper. It looks like he stole one of the Rock's shirts from 98 <laughs> and made it into a romper. The Young Bucks had them on earlier. Bucks, yeah. Fuck these guys. Yeah. Uh, if you wear a romper and you're a dude, literally go fuck yourself. Damn. <laughs> Next. Then we get the rest of... Jer- of Moxley's team, mm-hmm. and they're they're getting beat up. Claudio Castagnoli comes out at the end. He evens everything out. Then we see Eddie Kingston get into it, Claudio, and Eddie Kingston leaves after the Jericho and the Appreciators have all left. Yes. So we've got some issues on that team. Yes. Now, what I think will happen. What do you think? I think what's going to happen is Eddie Kingston's going to walk out on Moxley before that match. And I think Tanahashi takes his place. Ooh, that'd be interesting. But I, I don't know that's just what I thought. But that would be interesting. So after Claudio takes over, they take over, they got the argument, Claudio and Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston walks off. Pay-per-view ends. ends. Now we're there. So we see the aftermath. We see what happens after. Now afterwards, Tony Khan comes out. Hyped up on Dr. Pe- on Mountain Dew at Adderall. <laughs> and he sounds like a prepubescent girl. I mean, I, God damn. I mean, he screeches like a little girl. I didn't hear a word he said. Couldn't understand a thing. No. So he comes out and he's trying to put over Moxley. But he doesn't know how to talk. No. Um, and then we see Tanahashi and Moxley get face to face. They shake hands. Yep. Tanahashi goes to bow. Moxley bows. They do the on the hands and knees bow yep. thing mm-hmm. and show respect, and that's great. Mm-hmm. 
Then we've got all of Moxley's group, yep, in the, the Blackpool ring. Combat Club, mm-hmm. and they bring out Negative One from the, uh, the, little, the little boy. Yep, Brian, Bertie Lee's little Brian's boy. Kid, yep. And I, I understand what Tony Khan is trying to do. Oh, I do so. But time and place. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock. That fucking kid shouldn't be sitting up fucking doing this. No. Get, no, get him the fuck out of here. But at the other thing, I mean, it's cool. Moxley then does a big speech, and, and mm-hmm. he really didn't know where he was going with the speech. He even said that three times. Oh, he's fucking cuss. And he, he should not have said that. Oh, um, not at all. And uh, Moxley is the wrong guy to be the AEW champion if, if you want here. someone that's going to do all the interviews and and what AEW needs. AEW needs, I'll give you an example. Okay. Every year after WrestleMania, mm-hmm. women's champion, men's champion, they usually fly to New York, they're on Good Morning America or yep. whatever, and they're doing all the the, the shows yep. and this and that all day long. Mm-hmm. Roman Reigns is perfect. Does that perfectly? Yes. Charlotte Flair does that perfectly. Yep. Becky Lynch does that perfectly. Yep. Sasha. Brock Lesnar can do it. He's Brock not. Does. He's not great. He, he's got better. CM Punk can be that guy. Yes. Um, Ryan Danielson can be that guy. Omega can. Kenny Omega could. He's he's for what I. He's seen, not going to say something stupid. No, no, no. Cody Rhodes was perfect as that guy. Yes, he was. Um, but with Moxley, he does not carry a continuous mm. a, a continuous thought. No, and I think he means well. Yes. And I think he's fine for being a champion from this day in June till early September. Yeah. But he's not going to be going on Sports Center and no. doing interviews. But that's what AEW needs. Is that what is that what they miss Kenny Omega a little bit? No, because they have CM Punk. That's true. Yeah. And and that'll be what CM Punk does for them when he's back. Yeah. This was a get over for the next few weeks kind of thing. Yeah. Two months. And, yeah. um, and we'll see what happens. But it'll be interesting. Overall. I'm not sure. I, I I think it was a good show. I thought mm-hmm. it was an A. Yeah. I thought it was the best AEW pay per view I've seen. There was only one really bad match. Yeah. That young bucks uh sting Darby Allen abortion of a match. Uh I wish the young bucks. I wish Matt and what's Matt and Nick Jackson's mom had an abortion. He's not hit either of those two fucking kids. They're fucking terrible. Um, horrible, horrible, horrible. They just shit all around. I did. I didn't care for the Will Ospreay uh, Orange Cassidy match, but it, as an athletic thing, they're athletic as hell. Yeah. Give them all the credit in the world for that. Um, the rest of it, I thought was really good. Match of the night for you, P. What do you think it was? Man, for me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say... I don't know. Probably Claudio versus Sabre, Sabre Jr. I thought it was the best story of the night for sure. That might be the best match. 
It, it might have been the best match. I think it's certainly up there. I think the top three matches tonight with right. that one. That, the I triple threat tag match. The triple threat. I thought that was the best match of the night. It's one of those two. And then I thought the four-way was a good match. I just thought the ending was too abrupt. Yes. And then I thought the the uh, championship match at the end was really good. I just didn't like the whole Jericho and the Appreciators coming out. I didn't either. I, that just didn't make sense to me. No, but you um, had a pay-per-view, no. <laughs> it, they're trying to shove a little too much. You know, it's like shoving, you know, 10 pounds of sugar into a, you know, 12 pounds of sugar into a 10-pound bag. Yeah. And I thought they tried to do that at the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's a Jericho thing. I think Chris Jericho is the worst thing that's happened to AEW. Mm. I think he has long outlived his usefulness. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, think that Tony Khan should not offer him another contract. I don't think he will. I will say this. Here's how Jericho can redeem himself. Okay. Chris Jericho goes in and he becomes the heel version of Bruno San Martino with Sammy Guevara being his Larry Zabisco. And then we get a little ways out. I don't know when Jericho's contract is up, but I bet it's in the next year or so. Probably. We get to a point where Jericho's going to retire. Mm Mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara should be the guy who retires Chris Jericho. I agree a thousand percent. I agree. I, I, I think that if Chris Jericho cares about what his legacy can be, oh, yeah. his legacy should be how he builds Sammy Guevara. Because he's been with him the entire, same entire yeah. time. And I, the, 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 the guy who's gotten the rub from him is Sammy Guevara. Is Guevara. Yes. Hager's been awful. I haven't liked it, no. Ortiz and Santana are better off with Kingston. With Eddie Kingston and now with Moxley. Well, they're, they're just with Kingston. Yeah, but they're with, well, they're with, they were the Blackpool Parliament Club tonight. Oh, yeah, because they're on the same yeah. blood, blood and guts. Yeah, blood I mean, but they've gotten a better deal out of that than they were with Jericho. Absolutely. And then the guys that are with Jericho now, they're not going to get anything out of this. Garcia might. I, I don't think so. I think Garcia was already in those top matches. He's fought. Did you know Daniel Garcia has been in more main events of AEW Dynamite than any other wrestler in the last year and a half? Really? Uh-huh. Wow. If you go back to the beginning of 2021, yes. All the AEW Dynamites. Uh huh. The person who's had been in more main events than anybody, Daniel Garcia. Good for him. Well, no, it, it's because he was with Jericho and. They've used him, mm-hmm. and Jericho's gotten the rub off of him. Yeah, that's true. He hasn't helped Daniel Garcia. Not yet. Daniel Garcia has helped Chris Jericho. True. Yeah, so. Well, that was our, uh, we're going to end it here and kind of get out of here tonight. But uh, that was our kind of reboot. And, or that reboot, we want to, I guess that's our conclusion and review of Forbidden Door. Uh, I don't think we're going to All Out. No. I'm not going to All Out. I'll find a way. Uh, you you go and be a be, you can be our, our our person there. But. I got you. I'll figure it out. So, hey, um, I'll be back in a little bit to close the show out, and I uh, appreciate you uh, letting uh, P Money come in here. P Money, thank you. Also, big shout out to P Money when we were talking about the NBA draft last week. Man, you uh, you pegged it on the head about about uh, the yeah up at the top of the draft. So I want to give you a shout out on that because we were talking about. 
Uh, who was it? We said everyone's picking. We said Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith. Everyone was saying Jabari Smith. He was an overwhelming yeah. like Vegas odds. And I said Ben was the best player in the draft. And when you said that, he ended up going number one overall. Yep. And I thought that was so. Uh, PB, and we'll talk a little bit about the draft later. We'll do that at a different time. Cool. But I uh, wanted to get in here and get that review done. And so, P Money, I appreciate you helping me out. And uh, stay tuned, folks. We'll come back with a little bit more on the uh, NHL, a little bit of Major League Baseball, and just some general Coach Bo takes. Appreciate it. Hey, I hope you enjoyed uh, P Money coming in there. <clears throat> a couple things I want to say as we get moving on here. So we recorded that again Sunday night. It was 1 a.m. in our hotel room in Chicago. And uh, as you can tell, P Money, uh, Peyton is just, he loves his wrestling. He's very enthusiastic about it. And even after a five hour show and getting back to the hotel and sitting through Tony Khan's press conference, he still had some energy. I was dead dog tired. I'm trying to carry our way through it. And uh, he was keeping me in. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We are going to have him come on from time to time and talk a little wrestling as well. There are some things I want to just kind of uh, update since we recorded that, things that we know that we didn't know that night. Um, one, we talked about from the, from the uh, tag team match uh, Dax Harwood from the FTR got hurt. He did have a separated shoulder, which he got repaired or popped back in, I guess. He did say after the fact that he is going to be good to go. He's going to keep moving with the separated shoulder. Um, we did see and go back and look later the uh, the big uh, IWGP four-way match. The ending was, we talked about it, it was kind of abrupt. There was a spot where Okada was trying to give the Rainmaker clothesline lariat that he does to each person. And the first two ducked it, and then he was supposed to land it on Adam Cole, looks like. It looks like how the spot and the match was supposed to end was Cole gets the Rainmaker, Jay White then hits the switchblade on Okada, but then pins Cole. And... Cole sold the Rainmaker, but it never connected. He actually ducked it, but then laid on the ground like he got like he had gotten hit with the Rainmaker clothesline. Um, as we said in there, I'm not a big Adam Cole guy. I call him the wee little guy. Uh, and he really botched that pretty bad. So go back if you get a chance and look. I saw it. If you're into wrestling and you're into like classic stuff like I am, and you like the physicality parts and you like making fun of AEW, check out at AEW Botches on Twitter. It's hysterical. Um, and they'll have that. They'll show you that on there as well. A um, couple of just wrestling things. We did find out on a Sunday night that AEW's next pay-per-view is going to be their all-out pay-per-view in Chicago. And if it's going to be at the United Center. And if CM Punk is ready... If he's back from his injury by then, we know that the headline will be CM Punk versus, I assume, John Moxley, unless they were able to take the title off of John Moxley in the meantime. Um, we will probably do something for that here on the podcast. I'm not sure that we're going to go to Out Loud. Uh, we're going to see if we can get press passes first. If I can get that, then I'll go. If not, we'll just do it from here. Um, but in between now and then, we've got... Ring of Honor is going to have their first pay-per-view, first real pay-per-view under Tony Khan. 
uh, on July the 24th. That was announced. We'll see matches on that. We'll talk a little bit about that as it happens. We're not going to do a whole lot of hubbub on that. The following weekend, uh, WWE is going to have their big event, SummerSlam, on the 30th. And then on the 31st is actually the big Ric Flair retirement match. Um, and we've seen Conrad Thompson, his son-in-law, the kind of grand poobah of wrestling podcasters. He's uh, put together a huge deal in Nashville the same weekend of SummerSlam, which is also in Nashville. They're doing the whole StarCast thing and a lot of wrestling appearances. It would be a fun weekend. I'm not going to be able to go, um, but we'll probably catch... I don't know if we'll watch SummerSlam yet or not. We'll see. And then I may do the Ric Flair last match. I haven't decided, quite frankly. I'm going to wait to see who he's fighting and who else is on the card, how they're going to do that. Um, I don't really know what they're going to do as of yet. So we'll wait and see on that. The one thing I did find kind of um, when I watched the press conference and I thought about it later, I didn't talk to Peyton about it, but was... One of the things Tony Khan did talk about was there'll probably be another Forbidden Door pay-per-view next year. There has since been some speculation that it might actually be in Tokyo. Um, that would be interesting. I don't think it will be. I think they will have it here. Just because of the way the crowd is in America. It was a big crowd. It was a hot crowd. It was loud in that arena. And I don't think you would get that same kind of crowd in Japan. Um, Okada did say through his interpreter in the press conference, that he likes the fact that the crowds in America are chanting and they're wild and they're boisterous. And he's hoping that Japanese crowds will come around to that as well. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was Tony Khan did announce that, he didn't announce anything, but he had mentioned that at one of the AEW shows in California a couple weeks ago, that the Warner Brothers Discovery people were there and that they are talking about a Ring of Honor uh, television show. Uh, of course, Warner Brothers has purchased Discovery, the part of, uh, I guess, Discovery purchased Warner Brothers, the part of AT&T that was uh, previously Warner Brothers and brought them over. And they have Discovery Plus. You're going to need content. Tony Khan now owns all the content for Ring of Honor. So that's something you could put on there on the Discovery Plus. You could have a lot. You could have a show weekly as well. I would expect to hear some news on that in the coming weeks. That as Discovery Plus, as Warner Brothers Discovery figures out how they want to continue the branding of Discovery Plus, or if they're going to change the name, expect to then see them as a player for not just the Ring of Honor content uh, from the past, but possibly even a weekly show. Uh, I know there's also been some talk that that might go on the HBO, but again, all that content is now owned by Warner Brothers and Discovery Plus, so let's see how that's all going to shape up with HBO Max and everything else. There's a lot there to, to unpack, so that's kind of the wrestling world in, the, in a nutshell there. A lot going on, and a lot of interesting stuff. So we'll see how the next few weeks comes out. Um, back to the world of sports. Before we get there, I do want to mention our sponsor this week, which is Gold Belly. If you haven't been trying Gold Belly, if you haven't tried it yet, you need to get in here. Gold Belly is incredible. It's a great way to check out restaurants and food from around the country, have it delivered directly to your house. 
right now, they have a 4th of July section, which has got things like Nathan's Hot Dogs. It's got ribs from different places around the country, uh, different red, white, and blue cakes. I'm looking at one right now. Chesapeake Bay Gourmet, the Star Spangled Smith Island Cake. Oh, God, this looks delicious. It's the white frosted with the sprinkles, and you cut inside, and it's red, white, and blue cakes. Oh, my gosh, I'm so hungry now. Check these sort of things out. We've got different barbecues from around the country. I know us in Kansas and Kansas City, we love our barbecue here. Hey, there's some other stuff out there that's really good stuff. A great way to check it out is on Gold Belly. And you can get $25 off your first order of $50 or more on Gold Belly. And you just use our link in the show notes. Hey, you want a pro tip? You want to do something that people will really be surprised about? Get on here in the next couple days and get the Brooklyn Blackout Cake Cookies and get them delivered before Saturday and you can take them to your 4th of July party on Monday. And I guarantee everyone will like those. I loved them. A friend of mine, I ordered some for a friend for her birthday. She loved them. I got some. I've had a couple other friends who told me they've loved them. If you want to impress somebody, check that out. Get on that. Check out Gold Belly. The link in the show notes, you save $25 on your order. Give it a shot. We thank Goldbelly for sponsoring the podcast today. Hey, last couple of things I want to jump into, and this is a couple of football takes, a couple of baseball takes, and we're going to get up out of here. Um, this, this week we've already seen the – we know Deshaun Watson's meeting with the NFL um, as far as the penalty people. There's a lot of talk that it's going to be a year. It could be longer. Um, and I think anything less than one year is a bad look for the NFL. And I do think he did, Deshaun Watson is going to get a year-long suspension. Um, I think they should do more than that. I've already made clear on the podcast a few days ago that I think it should be a two-year suspension. Um, also under the radar with this is the Alvin Kamara deal. You know, Alvin Kamara is currently uh, dealing with uh, an assault charge where he had a fight in Las Vegas. And if it wasn't for this whole uh, Deshaun Watson thing, we'd be hearing more about Alvin Kamara. But uh, I think Alvin Kamara is going to get six to eight games. And if I think of it this way. Alvin Kamara gets in a fight in Las Vegas, beats a guy up, from what I understand, and, and I don't know the whole thing. But if he gets six or eight games and Deshaun Watson gets less than a season, it's going to be a horrible look for the NFL. And we're talking about, you know, the 24 different cases of Deshaun Watson versus one, you know, fight between two grown men in Las Vegas on Alvin Kamara. So not exactly seeing the NFL being consistent here. And that's been a big issue under Roger Goodell. That's why the, the, the latest um, NFL and NFLPA agreement has the new committee the committee then hands out the punishment, but all appeals then go to Goodell. He's the final appellate judge, if you will. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but what also has happened, now we've got some quotes from Baker Mayfield this week. Baker Mayfield, uh, when asked, he had a youth uh, football camp in Norman, Oklahoma this past weekend, and at that he says, we're ready to move on. I think both sides are. That was his quote. Um, I know that's 
uh, Tyler Jones has said on his chat sports piece that he thinks that he's an insider for the Seahawks. He thinks that a deal is going to get made where Baker is traded to Seattle. He may be right, and he was talking about there could be an extension there as well. We talked about that on the on the Jones report this past week. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. First off, I don't know if the extension would happen, but I do know if Baker is released by Cleveland, he ends up in Seattle. Um, I do think that we have to have something. Uh, the the Browns need to do something to figure out this quarterback situation because they're not going to have Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield is good as gone. That both sides want him out. He doesn't want to be there, and he's not wanted. It's going to be interesting to see what the Browns do, and they've got a lot of headaches on their own and what they've done. They've made their own bet on this. And I hope for Baker Mayfield's sake he does get an opportunity somewhere and a fair shot somewhere. I, I don't like what the Browns have done to Baker Mayfield. And I, and I don't – I've said from the beginning, if you take this – just the football pieces of it. I understand giving up Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson, but you got to look at the off the field stuff, and that's too big to look past. That's why I think the Browns made the biggest mistake is that they just went all in on the football side, and they clearly didn't digest all the information. So uh, we'll see what happens with Baker Mayfield. The other thing, this was funny to me. I don't know why I think this is hilarious, but I think it's hilarious. Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell have agreed to have an exhibition boxing match in Los Angeles on July the 30th. This is going to be a card of a couple of uh, big-time big time YouTube guys. I don't follow any of that stuff, so I have no clue who these people are. Um, it is not the one of the Pauls. It's not uh, Logan or Jake Paul. none of those guys. But... Um, Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell are going to box. Now, this is not going to be a professional fight. It's not their professional debuts. It's going to be billed as an exhibition. I would assume both guys are then wearing headpieces and that kind of thing as well. Um, but I'm going to talk about this. Uh, I'm going to try to bring Uncle Rico on to talk about this later. But uh, Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell, who you got? I'll tell you who I got. I got Adrian Peterson. Uh, that guy's a machine physically. He's dumber than a box of rocks, but the guy is just a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I've actually got a friend who went to high school with Adrian Peterson and said the guy's a nice guy, but he's just not the brightest uh, star in the sky. He's just not a, a super intelligent guy by any chance, and, and he kind of knows it. He just does his thing. But uh, I wonder, you know, the easy thing to say here is that did Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell spend all their money? I don't know that that's the case. I don't know. And so I'm not going to say that, oh, my God, here's a guy who's reaching for money. I don't think this is Jose Canseco kind of situation. I think this is guys looking for something to do. We've seen athletes, especially football players, who have gone to MMA. And we've seen uh, Frank Gordon did boxing as well. I think this is a way to try to stay in really, really top-notch shape. If you know Adrian Peterson, that's important to him. And, and you know, maybe there's some money involved with it for him. But I don't know that they're both necessarily doing this for the money. I don't know who saved their money and who hasn't. So I'm not going to cast dispersions in that way. So, But I'm looking forward to at least the hilarity of Adrian Peterson fighting Le'Veon Bell. 
Two baseball things real quick. Just quick note. One's a quick note, and this is Bryce Harper, who's one of my guys. Man, I like Bryce. I like missing Bryce Harper. Uh, broken thumb. He's going to have to have surgery. He's going to be out indefinitely. We don't know the um, length of how long he's going to be out. We know he'll be back this season. It's a big blow to the Phillies. Their chances in the playoffs. You know, he is the guy. He's the reigning NL MVP. And he's, what to me, one of the five or six most important players in the game as well. He's one of the five or six most exciting, but I think he's also one of the five or six most important players. Uh, the other story, this is the last story I'm going to get into tonight, and I found this really interesting on, on Tuesday when I saw this earlier today, was the Freddie Freeman drama. So, you know, I was the guy a few months ago when the Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna stuff came out. I was like, I'm Team Acuna. You know, if you don't know what's happened, Freddie Freeman, a long-time Atlanta Brave, signed with the L.A. Dodgers this past offseason. Um, after leaving, Ronald Acuna had said in an interview in his native country that he'd had some issues with Freddie Freeman, that Freddie Freeman had... Um, you know, made him stop wearing his chains and he was a rookie. He didn't like a lot of the stuff that Acuna and a lot of these young players do. Um, you know, not wearing their jerseys in pregame, stuff like that. It, it seemed like Freddie Freeman was kind of the old guard. And if you know me, I don't like the old guard. I think baseball has to get as far away from the old guard as possible if they want to, if they want to grow the product. It's the one major sport that has not grown in the, in the past few years. And they have to do something. And getting away from the old school rules, getting away from the you hit our guy, we hit your guy, you know, the keeper of the rules, the Brian McCann bullshit, if you, that's what I like to call it, that's got to go. You need the bat flips. You need the exciting stuff. You need the pitcher who points at the guy when he strikes him out. That just happened this past weekend. We saw that in the game with the Red Sox. Guy, you know, kind of does a little something. He's pumped up and juiced up, striking out Rafi Devers. Two at-bats later, Rafi Devers took a humongous home run off him. So it's, those things are good for the sport. Now, what we have found, Freddie Freeman fired his agency this week. He fired him. This past weekend, Freddie Freeman returned to Atlanta with the Dodgers for the first time since playing, and he was very emotional. You know, obviously he got the big hand from the Braves fans. They were very classy about it. You know, he has been Mr. Atlanta Braves really since Chipper Jones' retirement. And it was amazing to see that the fans in Atlanta were very thankful to Freddie. Obviously he brought him a championship last year. He was a big part of the championship. He's been an NL MVP. Uh, you can argue he's probably going to be a future Hall of Famer. He's been the best player in that franchise since Chipper, left, since Chipper Jones left. Um, you know, he's going to be a Braves Hall of Famer, if not a baseball Hall of Famer. He's fired his agents. And story that I read this afternoon on ESPN.com, I saw a little bit on The Athletic as well, is that he wasn't necessarily happy with the idea of leaving Atlanta, that it was not just a money thing. Um, the understanding was is that, I guess, after receiving, there was the lockout. And so there was a period where players and teams could not talk. The lockout ended. The players were able to come back. 
Well, now you have a short window of opportunity for free agents. And Freddie Freeman was the biggest free agent at the time to try to sign and get with a team with spring training already starting. So Freddie Freeman receives a big offer from the Dodgers. He had received an offer from the Braves previously before the lockout that was about $25 million less in dollars. Same number of years. It was five years. He tells the Braves when he got that offer, I'm going to explore other options. This isn't enough, yada, yada. He ends up going to the Dodgers. Now, my understanding, getting reading the article I saw on ESPN.com and The Athletic, was that when, once Freddie Freeman's representatives received a, a offer from the Dodgers, they went back to the Braves with that contract in hand and said, We'll give you an hour to match this. Our guy wants to stay. We'll give you one hour. Not a day, not a week. And again, you couldn't do a week. Not with the given a situation. I guess the Braves did not come back within that hour. Freddie Freeman signs with the Dodgers. The Braves make the move to get Matt Olson from the A's in a trade and make a deal there, uh, which was cheaper than getting Freddie Freeman. But it really seems like this was a divorce that didn't have to happen. And it seems like Freddie Freeman's agents, at least according to how it looks from the outside and how Freeman may not be happy, they've decided that they, they kind of pushed Freddie to make this deal quick and get what you got, the bird in hand. And I don't know that Freddie Freeman's real happy in L.A. So... I think this will be interesting to see what happens. Could they engineer some kind of a trade in the future of him going back to Atlanta? I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But obviously, Freddie Freeman really misses Atlanta and really misses the Braves organization. He and Ronald Acuna did have a really nice moment on the field. I understood they also talked privately and buried a lot of the issues they had. I think that's really cool. And I sure hope that this is going to work out for everybody. And I hope that everybody gets away happy in the end. Um, what I did see was that Freeman, again, did fire his agent. He is now listed as self-represented. He's not taking calls or fielding calls from any other agents right now. The Players Association sent out a memo to all current baseball agents saying that Freddie Freeman is not taking meetings and not interested in signing with anybody else this time. So let's see what happens there. I'm going to keep my eye on that one a little bit and see if there's any more to come from that story. Hey, I want to say thank you for listening today. I'm going to get up out of here on that. I hope you enjoyed the pod today. I hope you enjoyed the basketball stuff in the beginning, P-Money coming in. So I want to say thanks to P-Money for doing that. I hope you enjoyed it, P. I had a great time at AEW Forbidden Door as well. I had a great time in Chicago. I love me some Chicago. Got some Blue Mall Naughty's Pizza while we were in town and of course, you know we had to hit Portello's. So we got that all squared away. So thanks to Chicago for being great hosts over the weekend. I uh, want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox, for all you do behind the scenes. Thank you, Tyler. You've been doing a lot for me this week. I really appreciate you, bud. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. I hope you're enjoying the pod. If there's something you like or something you don't like, hit us up. Man, email me. CoachBonoShow at gmail.com. We want to hear everything from you. We also appreciate every five-star review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, 
hit us with a quick five-star review. We may even read your review here on the uh, on the pod. So hey, until Friday, we'll be back for the point five. Ellen and I will be in doing that. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care. We'll see you on Friday.